98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort Masters, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. This is what we do at 4 o'clock every day. We get to the halfway point of the Burns and Gambo show, and we get you caught up on all of the top stories going on in sports. It's one-stop shopping for you to know what's going down, and we start the Arizona Diamondbacks, a lot of little news coming out of the Diamondbacks, including Nick Ahmed shut down for at least 10 days for the starting shortstop following him getting two cortisone ejections in his shoulder that he just got an MRI on. That, according to Tori Lovello, Lovello also said that outfielder Jordan Luplow will be out for a while with a grade one strain in his oblique, which means Ahmed and Luplow not likely for opening day for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, uh, Ahmed is a key piece defensively for them, had a terrible year offensively, but it's still a very good defensive shortstop. They don't have the, the quality of depth you know, to really overcome losses uh, with this team, so they may be better equipped to handle it. We'll see if Perdermo's ready to play. Maybe they could go with him, but if Perdermo's not ready to play, it's going to be a lot of shuffling around. Yeah, Tori Lovello mentioned yesterday that Perdomo might be a guy uh, they would potentially look at there. There are some others, a shortstop they just acquired over the weekend from the Cubs as well. Someone who is working their way back from injury, Zach Gallen, may his spring debut today, two and two-thirds innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. Remember, he's been dealing with shoulder issues most of the spring. Afterwards, he said... I would love to, to not miss a start, um, but, you know, ultimately they make the decision, so, you know, it's, it comes down to them, but I'll, uh, I'll definitely press pretty hard not to miss a start. Opening day a week from tomorrow. Yeah, I think you go with Bumgarner for opening day, right? If Gallon's not ready to go. I mean, you've got a guy that's you know, been an opening day starter before for a long time. I'm looking forward to it. I bought my tickets for opening day. I can't wait. I'd probably rather, I'd prefer to see Zach Gallon over Madison Bumgarner. That's me. But uh, if Gallon can't go, I'm, you know, I'm sure Bumgarner will get the nod. I can't imagine he's going to be ready enough no, for opening no, day a no. week and a day from right now. I would expect Madison Bumgarner, but we'll see when an announcement is made about that. According to Field, Gates of ESPN. The Arizona Cardinals are hosting a free agent wide receiver today. Don't get super excited about it because he hasn't played a ton. Talking about wide receiver Malik Turner, whose best season as a pro, at least as a receiver, came with the Seahawks in 2019 when he had 15 catches, 245 yards. He's actually got more special team snaps than he does offensive snaps so far in his career. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's what it could be. It could be a, a guy that you're signing primarily for special teams. That could also be your fifth wide receiver. So um, this does not address the need that they have for number two wide receiver, which, you know, I think will come. Um, you know, sometime soon, I think they will address that. We mentioned it in the last segment, but we'll bring it up again because it is the four o'clock reset in case you missed it. Former Cardinal corner Patrick Peterson returning to the Vikings on a one year contract. He broke the news himself on his own podcast. All things covered. Today. Yeah, Minnesota liked him enough to bring him back. Obviously, it took a little while in free agency. He probably tested the market to see what was out there. There weren't any big offers. He comes back to Minnesota. We'll get the details on the contract, but it's probably less than what he made last year. March Madness, sweetheart, St. Peter's. And you could see this one coming a mile away. They're losing their head coach, Shaheen Holloway. The former Seton Hall player is now the current Seton Hall coach. He left six-year deal to leave St. Peter's for the job at Seton Hall. He'll take over at his alma mater after leading St. Peter's.
years to that historic uh, Elite Eight run. 46 years old, returns to South Orange. He was a star player. He was a successful assistant coach there. He had that magical run with St. Peter's. And then once, you know, once he started winning those games, I mean, you knew that he was going to, uh, he was going to leave. I mean, I think he was roughly, he was making about $300,000 a season, you know, when he was over there. So he, uh, uh, he, he's going to Seton Hall. He's going to get a major pay cut. He's going to be at a big conference now. Yep. Big time. The most predictable story maybe of the day. You could see something like that coming. And the Coyotes, they're in action tonight. They're taking on the Sharks at home at 7. The Coyotes have lost six straight games, Gambo. You know, they were playing so well at one point. They had those two big wins over Colorado. This season's all about, you know, rebuilding and, and, and playing a lot of the younger players. But, you know, it's you also want to get some wins in there. They've had some moments this season when they played really well. I mean, the, the, those games where they had those big outbursts of goals. They had scored nine in one game and eight in another. One was against Ottawa. Those have been the highlights for the team, but overall, it's, it's not been a successful But season. our top story of the day today, of course, today is Suns Day here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. We do this when the Suns have a big game, and they certainly have one tonight. They're taking on the Golden State Warriors. 7 o'clock tip time. You'll hear it here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station with the idea that a win tonight, and this team ties the all-time record for most wins in a season by the Phoenix Suns. 62 is the all-time. It's been done twice by the Suns. They can make it a third time with a win tonight against the Golden State team that will have Draymond Green, that will have Klay Thompson, that will have Andre Iguodala, but of course will not have Steph Curry tonight. Yeah, it's the first time since 2019 that you're going to see... Uh, you know, Draymond and Clay and Iguodala, those guys play together. But no, no Steph Curry. You know, early in the season, you go back to the, you know, early, you know, late last year, November, they beat the Warriors 104-96. It was the first of three games. We were very much looking forward to that, talking about a potential Western Conference Finals. At that point, the Suns had won 17 straight games. They tied a franchise record. They shut down Steph Curry. They held him to 12 points on four for 21 shooting. It was, the worst performance of his career when he took at least 20 shots and the Suns did a great job. Now they went on to play him two more times and lost to him but it's much, things are much different now than they were in November and December when they had those three matchups between Phoenix and Golden State. Yeah, we had Kellen on earlier and he wrote a terrific preview piece for tonight's game and basically the thrust of that, that, that piece was how everything has changed. Everything is different between these two teams. And here's the, because everything's different with Golden State. At one point through the first week of February, Golden State was 41-13. and 13. They were rolling. They, yeah. were, they were considered the best team in the NBA. Since then, over a 22-game stretch, they're 7-15. and 15. And we know the reasons why. Curry's been hurt. Green's been in and out of the lineup. Clay's been in and out of the lineup. Iguodala just returned. I mean, injuries have absolutely ravaged that team. And, and the guys in their place, look, Steve Kerr's a really good coach and he coaches a really good program. And Kaminga's played well, and other guys have played. Jordan Poole has played well. Andrew Wiggins has not played well, and it's been a lot of been a some success and mostly failure for the Golden State Warriors since they had that forty-one and sixteen record. You know they've stumbled quite a bit. Well, he has played really poorly. He had a really bad February. Andrew Wiggins did, and then he had a really bad March. 
So he's he he averaged 13.8 points per game in February. It was his least productive month since 2014. March hasn't been any better. He's averaging 14.8 points, uh, but his shooting percentage is down to 40.7 from the field, 27.9 from three. 27.9 from three. Look at his free throw percentage while you've got... Do you I don't have, have that up. You don't I don't have, have, that I don't have okay. the free throw percentage up, but I'm looking at the field goal percentage, and I'm looking at uh, what he did in February and what he did in March, and he has played really poorly. Yeah, I can tell you, over the last 22 games, he's shooting 54% from the free throw line. I, I, now, today, Andrew Wiggins, and I wouldn't count this as smack, and I wouldn't count this as bulletin board material, but then you know what? I didn't think a picture of Amir Coffey when it should have been Devin Booker would have been bulletin board material, and apparently he is. Andrew Wiggins today talked about the mentality of the Warriors heading into tonight. We saw that team, you know, even with, you know, um, that little little funk that, you know, we were in, we're still third um, in the West, and we believe we're still the best team, especially when everyone's healthy. You know, that's what we're going towards. Um, tonight's going to be a big game. You know, Phoenix has the best record in the league. They're, you know, they're a good team. Um, but, you know, we believe we can beat anybody. We believe we can beat anybody. We believe we're the best team. And you know what? Honestly, he might be right. And here's what I mean by that. It, when Curry comes back, when Green's fully healthy, when Clay's healthy, with what they're getting from Kaminga, with what they're getting from Jordan Poole, that, that is a team that could eliminate the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs. The the problem you and I have with it is I just don't know if they're going to get to that version of the team in time for it to be able yeah. to eliminate the Suns, right? Yeah, like because just, they, they see. The, the, I don't think the Suns could lose to anybody. I think Golden State could lose to Memphis. I think Golden State could lose to Utah. I think Golden State could lose to, uh, I mean, maybe even the Clippers can take them down. I think the Golden State is vulnerable to get beat by somebody. I don't think the Phoenix Suns are. So I think, like, you know, when you start to pencil it and you look at the Warriors, can they get two series wins to get to the Western Conference Finals? Can they get that? And look, maybe they, they maybe they would even match up with Phoenix before the Western Conference Finals. I was just going to say, they might not even, this might be a second round preview now. And, and here's what I mean by that. I'm looking at the NBA standings right now. The Golden State Warriors are only a game ahead of Dallas for the fourth spot in the Western Conference. So if Golden State ends up as four, I don't think they can fall all the way to five. They've got a three-game lead over Utah for the fifth seed. But if Golden State falls to four, and now it's a Golden State-Utah first-round matchup, or even a Golden State-Denver first-round matchup. Yeah, Denver could beat them. I mean, the, the Denver, given that Steph hasn't played for the last couple of weeks and won't probably until the playoffs, that's gonna that team's going to require a little bit of time to kind of figure it all out. I don't know if they can beat Denver on the fly like that in the first round. And even if they do... Then the Suns would get them in the second round if they dropped to four or five, not the Western Conference championship. Unlike the Suns, the Warriors have never figured out a way to play with the absence of Curry. They they change they change the You're way right. they play. So they have not figured out how to play, especially on offense, when they don't have Curry. The ball sticks, it doesn't move, they don't have somebody that can bail them out when the shot clock is down to five. The Suns can play without Chris Paul. The Suns can play without Devin Booker. But the Golden State Warriors cannot play without Steph Curry. And to point to, to, point to that, they played 21 games in the last two years without Steph Curry. 21 games. They've won five. They've won five games out of 21 when they don't have Steph Curry. They have not figured out how to win basketball games without him. ASU baseball is in full swing. You can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. It's your chance to win tickets to see the Sun Devils take on Cal 
this weekend. The two best teams in the NBA currently are the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies. Given some of the similarities between these teams, are they the two best teams for the rest of the decade? Is this a real future rivalry we're talking about? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Suns Day. Brought to you by Four Peaks Wow Wheat. On the home of Phoenix Suns Basketball. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Suns Day with Burns and Gambo. Live from the Oxygen Community Studios here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. We're Burns and Gambo. John Gambador, Dave Burns, hanging out with you on this Suns Day. Suns taking on the Warriors tonight at 7 o'clock. Admittedly, a matchup that... A month ago, two months ago, certainly around Christmas time, we, and we still are. I, I don't want to, it's still the Golden State Warriors, but obviously when you've lost six of your last seven and you've only won, what, eight of your last 22 games, it kind of takes some of the teeth out of the matchup a little bit if you're Golden State. They are struggling, struggling so much. They, this might not be a Western Conference finals preview. This might be a Western Conference semifinals preview. Golden State could very easily fall to four or maybe even five in the last couple weeks of the season. And if so, Suns would see him in the second round, not in the third. Either way, the Suns are gearing up for this big run. We can't wait for it to start. We're looking towards the future. Booker's young. Bridges is young. DeAndre Ayton, he's young. Going to get that max contract, we hope, this offseason. Cam Johnson, we hope at some point financially is going to get settled. And Chris Paul, he's not young, but he's not playing like he's old either. There does appear to be a nice long run set up for the Suns with this. Yeah, long, long open window yep. to win a championship. You would think. Or, you know, listen, multiple championships, possibly. Could they turn into a dynasty? Possibly. They're set up to compete for a championship every year right now for the next few years. Which is why there was a story on ESPN.com yeah, today. This is really good. Future power rankings. I actually like this. How will your team perform over the next three NBA seasons? And they factor in the players that you've got and the management that you've got and the money that you're available to spend with salary cap and things like the market that you play in, the drafts, future draft picks and draft positioning. Yeah, it doesn't matter for these teams. Future draft, draft position, that's not going to... Some of them it doesn't. No, the Suns were not the number one team in the future power rankings. The team that might be their Western Conference rival for the next half decade is, and that's the younger, the Memphis Grizzlies. The oldest player they have is Stephen Adams at 28. They're the young. They're young. I mean, they're a bunch of babies, and they're going out there and they're playing well. I mean, they're a super young team. I mean, I. I like this Grizzly team a lot. I, you know, I've talked to you about this many times. Like, I think the rivalry in the West is not Phoenix Golden State. I think the rivalry rivalry to watch out for is Phoenix Memphis. I mean, over the next five years, could these two teams see each other in the playoffs two, three times, four times, possibly? Yeah, they might see each other in the playoffs this year. But that that may be, you know, that may be. Um, and listen, you know, if the Suns get them this year. I mean, Memphis is only going to grow from that and get stronger, just like Phoenix last year, losing to Milwaukee. Yeah, they write, welcome the Grizzlies to the top of the future rankings. A massive 15-spot climb from where they ranked last October. Memphis is ahead of schedule in its impressive rebuild around John Morant and has a deep group of talented young players. The Grizzlies have rolled to the league's second-best record with one of the five youngest rosters weighted by minutes played. And they go on to talk about how how young they are. It doesn't usually translate into a title, but Memphis has put themselves in position to contend for years. And, and, and they're absolutely right. And I think I think the idea 
that the the Suns and the Grizzlies are the two markets and the two cities and the two teams through which this thing is going to run for at least the next three years, maybe even the next five, is reinforced by the notion that in these future rankings, the only two Western Conference teams in the top five are the Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. The only two Western Conference teams, I believe, in the top seven are the Suns and the Grizzlies. They give a lot of love to Miami. They give love to the Bucks and to the Celtics. But the next Western Conference team is the Clippers at number six. They believe the future kind of revolves around Phoenix and Memphis. Phoenix, by the way, is third on the list in the future rankings. Yeah, and I think part of that is probably, you know, what happens to Chris Paul. He, you've got him this year, you've got him next year, and you've got him the year after that, right? But what's that's part of it? Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, that could be part of it. I yeah. mean, I'm, obviously, it's big decisions with the Suns coming up with you know Cam Johnson, uh, with DeAndre Ayton, um, but you do have Chris Paul for next year and the year after that. They fully expect that he's going to be here for three years. They, they they broke it down into a bunch of categories, like I mentioned: players, management, money, market, draft, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and the the two, the two categories where the Suns got dinged the most. I mean, they're not, it's not a surprise. Money, number one, just because Aiden's going to be expensive, Cam Johnson's going to be expensive, it's going to be a tax team, you know, all of those things that we hope and expect for the Suns. And then number two is the draft. They, 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 but it really doesn't take into account the fact that the Suns typically don't use the draft, at least under James Jones. They don't use the draft to really no, help the team no. that much. But the, the draft assets compared to some others, they don't have the draft assets that some other teams do going forward. But I, I don't Memphis still has some good draft assets. They do. Yes. You know? But listen to this. This is interesting about how young Memphis is. Of the 59 teams in NBA history that have an average weighted age of less than 25 at season's end. Okay, the Grizzlies are going to have an average weighted age of less than 25. Just six have advanced to the playoffs six out of 59 teams only six of them have made the playoffs this season there are five teams that are that young okay the average age is 25 or younger the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves both of whom are going to make the playoffs the other three are Detroit Orlando and Houston who have the worst records in the league and of the group of playoff teams only the 2011 Oklahoma City Thunder um, won a series only one team that young has ever won a series that's the 2011 Oklahoma City Thunder. They outlasted Memphis in a seven-game matchup. So 59 teams in NBA history have had an average age of 25 or younger. Six of them have made the playoffs. Only one has even won a series, and that was the 2011 Oklahoma City Thunder. What Memphis is doing, they're so far ahead of schedule, right? They're way ahead of schedule. But what they're doing is needs to be talked about a lot. I mean, I, like... How can you be that young and that good? Mm-hmm. How can you be that young? Because the history has shown that it, you, 59 teams that young, one has won a playoff series. Six have made the playoffs. It doesn't happen. So what they're doing is pretty incredible to be that young and to win the games that they have. But they've made so many right decisions to get the roster to where it is right now. Sure, whether it's you know Desmond Bain, whether it's obviously John Morant from a few years ago, the the, the moves they've made in the offseason. It's yes, they, well, they, they had Tony Allen, they had Zach Randolph, they had Mike Conley, they had Gasol. I mean, they moved all of those guys. They got younger players. They got draft picks. I mean, the Conley trade yielded a 2019 first round pick that they turned into Brandon Clark. A year later, they acquired the 30th pick to select Desmond Bain. And so, like, they've done so many good, like, if you go look at what they've done, they've made a lot of really good moves to build this dynamic young team. I tell you, they're going to be, okay, so assuming they finish with the number two seed, they've got a big lead over Golden State now. They'll get the winner 
of that first play-in game between seven and eight, which right now would be Minnesota versus the LA. Yeah, Clippers. so you could have two teams out of twenty-five or a yeah. average weighted age twenty-five or younger playing each other. I mean that that would be that'd be a hell of a playoff series. That'd be a hell of a first-round playoff series. And for Memphis, I think everybody expects them to be able to win a playoff series, even though they're as young as they are. I do think that seems to be kind of the knock against them is that while as good as they might be, they are awfully young. And to expect them to make a deep run their first time out when they are that young is asking an awful yeah. lot. Now, I, I don't want to, I, I know how, how, not sensitive, but I know how aware you were last year of the lack of experience being used against the Suns from a lot of people. You hated it. I hated it. You hated it. And, and so I don't want to fall into the same trap with Memphis. So just because they don't have a lot of experience doesn't matter. But they are very, very young as a basketball team. And I just don't know how far they're going to have to be perfect in order for them to get to the Western Conference Finals because they're so young. The Grizzlies? Yes, the Grizzlies, I think, are going to have to play almost a perfect brand of basketball because they are going to be going up against very experienced Western Conference playoff teams. You know, it was pretty interesting, too. I mean, it's fascinating. They owed a first-round pick to the Boston Celtics from the Jeff Green trade. They owed a, they owed a first-round pick to them. So they didn't tank down the stretch in 2018. They didn't, that, that 18-19 season, they didn't tank, wanting to, you know, hoping to get that pick obligation out of the way. But instead, they jumped up from eighth in the draft lottery to second. And guess who they got? John Moran. Yep. So they tried to win games because they wanted to get their obligation out of the way, but there were protections. So they got from eighth to second, and they ended up with Josh. We got this tweet just a second ago from David. He tweeted both of us, and he's absolutely right. If Memphis adds a veteran star like Chris Paul, like the Suns did, then watch out. Like a like a like like that's the missing piece to take them next level. If they can go find their Chris Paul, like the Suns did. The a youth, then I don't know the answer to this. I'd have to ask around. A guy's going to want to play with John Morant the way they want to play with Devin Booker. Maybe, maybe that'll be, that'll be a key. Yeah. Maybe because he is an exciting young basketball player. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast. Subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You're not going to miss any of our shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get the most money selling your home for cash. Go to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. Mock drafts will continue to fine-tune as we approach the NFL draft. This latest the one, though, has Gambo and I scratching our heads a little bit, and we'll tell you why and who wrote this mock next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day. Let's go back to Eric here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. It's Gambo's second favorite thing to talk about right behind power rankings. Huh. That's mock drafts. Yeah. He loves it. He lives for it. I hate power rankings the worst. <laughs> you smell that, boys? It's, it's draft season. It is draft, draft season. season. Four weeks from tomorrow. First round of the NFL draft. Man, it's already here. That and I'm, I'm sure we'll jump deep into a couple players the Cardinals could be targeting, but let's take a wider look as we are still a month away. Okay. How should the Cardinals use their first round pick? Your four options are inside linebacker, inside linebacker, and sorry, edge rusher, <laughs> edge rusher, wide receiver, corner, and other. All right, so just to clarify, it's edge rusher. No, edge rusher, wide receiver. We, we, we were being snarky when we said inside linebacker. Edge rusher, wide receiver, corner, or other. Other. Which best could player be available, inside linebacker. Whatever. Well, I like edge rusher. I, I Look, it, not for nothing, as my friend not Gambo for would say. Not for nothing. Not for nothing. As Gambo would say. I'd like them to find a player 
that maybe there's a chance four years from now they re-sign to a long-term contract oh, extension. You know I love that. You know, I, 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 a DJ Humphrey. Sure, I'd go for that. G- uh, give me, give me a guy who's a like going to be a, a long-term fixture around here because in the first round there haven't been too many of those in the last ten years. Second round. That being said, um, an edge rusher who could be here for the next ten years. Oh, I would love to find me one of those in this draft. Love it. Edge rusher. Put me down. I'll take that, too. All right. Doubling up on edge rusher. That's in second place at 30.7%. But at the top spot, 47.8%. Want to go offense. Get a wide receiver. 12.7, say, get a corner. 8.8, say, other. You know, they drafted... Last two years, defense and defense. Does a you think anything plays a part in that and get an offensive player for Cliff? Not necessarily. I, I, I you lost think, Chase Edmonds. You you lost Christian Kirk. I think you just. I think about it in terms of kind of long term. What could you long term? What would be nice to have? Right, an edge rusher that would be a, a good to elite edge rusher in this game that was young and cheap and that you drafted and that you could keep. That'd be nice. A wide receiver. Look, DeAndre Hopkins. He's not getting any younger. Rondell Moore. He's kind of a slot guy. Maybe he could play on the outside. Who's the last pass rusher they drafted that was dominant? Simeon Rice. <laughs> am Who's I, the last? Am pass? I being a jerk if I say Hassan Reddick? Well, I know. I mean, like a guy that was here that was so good that he was here for a while. Well, it's been. When was the last time they had a they they drafted a dominant pass rusher? (sighs) It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I mean, you remember that line: Simeon Rice, Andre Wadsworth, uh, the guy that came from the small college. uh, uh, What was his name? Obviously, you don't remember the line. <laughs> yeah, he was their best. He was like their best offensive lineman. I, I know. He had Wadsworth, uh, Bankston. Rice. About Michael no, Bankston? not Michael Bankston. He went to like he he came from like a um uh, like a pre. He didn't play in college. He didn't play in college. Wadsworth, Simeon. Oh my Rice. god, man, he's I, I, I don't. Me. I, I don't remember. All right, I, I, I wasn't expecting you to spring this on me. All right, my bad. He was like their dominant for years. He was their dominant line lineman, and now my memory's shot. See, this is why I play Wordle. This is why I have why, to do because you can't remember games things like I, this. I can't remember certain things. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, while you look for that, let me tell everybody about this mock draft that was out there right now. It's from Bucky Brooks. And in again, it's it's never about the mock draft necessarily. It's Eric ne- Swan. There, Eric Swan. Couldn't get that name on I couldn't get Eric Swan. All you needed was Wordle. That's crazy. <laughs> Eric Swan. No, all he needed was Google. That's what he needed. You Googled it, found it. Yeah, Eric Swan. He was here for like he was here from nineteen. He was here for a long time. Yeah, he was here for. I had yeah. forgotten about him. I had forgotten about him. But yes, Eric Swan was the answer to the Thank question. Uh, Bucky Brooks mock draft has the Cardinals taking a defensive tackle at number twenty three. Now that's fine, and I'll, you know what? I'll play the draft profile here for him because okay. we're getting close to draft season. Jordan Davis, defensive tackle. Georgia. Davis is a beefy, burly, enormous defensive tackle with surprising quickness and athleticism. He is immovable inside and can be plugged right in to become one of the league's best run stoppers right away. While he does lack agility and is not a great pass rusher, his skill set can definitely translate to success in the right scheme. NFL comp, all pro defensive tackle, Ted Washington. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that pick. But how, I'm many, just... how many people did profile? Uh, did you do them, Mitch? I've still got a record mine and then sarah and eric as well and eric? maloney and so four voices on profile oh because i want to play the guessing game oh that's right i you, want to play the guessing you, game you so, so don't tell us who 
From now on, don't tell us who did them. So it's too early right now. We haven't fully recorded them all yet, like but I they'll be ready by it. next week. Okay. Okay. Uh, you two don't remember this, and for our audience who doesn't remember this, this time a year ago with the NFL draft, we would play these profiles so often that we would memorize which voice here at the station voiced the profile. Mm. And we'd, we'd play it. So it it's almost like became, a match game. It's, you it's like match a, the memory game, right? Memory where, game, yeah. Where you turn over card four and the match is at card 12, right? And then you flip them back over and you got... And so we were... You want to talk about improving your, mem- your memory. Yes. It's not about playing Wordle. You have to play the draft profile Arizona memory sports game. memory game. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. Okay. So who voiced... Jordan Davis's profile? Maloney. <laughs> Let's see if he remembers that tomorrow. Let's see if he remembers that tomorrow. I'm not sure if he does. The mock draft. I got back, the wordle. I got the wordle word of the day today. Back to this. Uh, what's interesting about this is twofold. Number one, he doesn't have a single quarterback going in the first round. Yeah. which I'll bet anybody at lunch oh. right now is not going to happen. You want that bet? It, it's it's just not going to happen. A quarterback will go in the first round. Number two is if you think an edge or wide receiver for the Cardinals, he's got one, two, three edge rushers gone by the time the Cardinals make their pick. One, two, three, four wide receivers gone by the time the Cardinals make their pick at number 23. And he has them passing on an edge rusher. And the guy from what is it, Minnesota goes with the next pick at number twenty four. The edge rusher. Goes yeah, 24. So, so, yeah. It's, it's, so it was interesting to look at how that how thing how that played out. The first of all, the quarterback thing is 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 pretty interesting. And then the amount, you know, I'm looking at how many wide receivers are gone, how many edge rushers are gone, and just kind of see, okay, where do you get now? The player that he has them getting is a dominant defensive lineman that occupies two and three guys, uh, always double and triple team. Like he's he's that good of a force on that defensive line. Uh, but a pick later, it's an edge rusher from Minnesota, um, Tasmanian devil off the edges, relentless playing style that wears down opponents, this boy, a Mafe, and just, you know, going forward, there's other defensive tackles, there's wide receiver out of North Dakota State named Christian Watson, there's a wide receiver out of Western Michigan named Sky Moore. Would they pin there? So in the first round, this is what I noticed. There are still edge rushes and wide receivers, you know, in that first round category, and he's got the Cardinals taking a defensive, an interior defensive lineman who's not a pass rusher, but still a great player. Look, I don't, I don't want to have to say that the Cardinals have to say they have to get an edge rusher, they have to get a wide receiver. Like there's a position that they have to take in the first round. It doesn't work that way. It shouldn't work that way. It should never work where you are so defined by need that you're forced to take a wide receiver because you might not like the ones that are there, but you might reach to take one. In Anyway, what I do want and what I think the Cardinals absolutely have to do this year, no matter what, when it comes to this first round draft pick, they have to pick a guy who plays now, right away, instantly. And not because Steve Kimes says it so, but because the player makes it so in August. All right. Steve Kime can't will Zaven Collins into the starting lineup. All right. He either earns it or he doesn't. And he didn't. The player they pick this year. I don't know if you agree with this. He has to contribute this first year. Has to. This- I think that those players in the last two years played positions that are just really, really difficult to learn how to play in the NFL to come in and play right away. I think a wide receiver is easier. I think an edge rusher is easier. I think it's a lot easier if you if you get one of those guys than a linebacker. A linebacker's got so many responsibilities, so many things to learn. Um, so I, I still they believe in Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, and they are going to get a lot of reps this year. There's no doubt in my mind. But if you do pick a wide receiver or an edge rusher, I think it is easier for those guys to play. It's easier for those guys to come in and play. It's less responsibility. 
I guess it's a lot easier for Edge. I think wide receiver is a little harder than you're giving it credit for. Not a lot of wide receivers come in and are great right away. Not a lot of wide receivers come in right away and put up good numbers at first. It's, it's tough. It's a tougher position, I think. Edge, I totally agree. Edge, I think you can come in and make an impact almost right away. Wide receivers, sometimes they're hit or miss when they come into the league their first year. This guy named Chase last year. Yeah, oh, kind of hit for every one of him. There were quite yeah, a few. CD Lamb, like there were. I mean, I just think that the hit rate is a lot easier. Now, Micah Parsons, a linebacker last year, was fantastic for the Dallas Cowboys. So you can hit on on any position. I just think it is easier. I think it's easier at wide receiver. The division for the, the, the division foe, I should say, the Seahawks are going to be very different next season. Are they going to be unrecognizable? Maybe if they make their next move that everyone's talking about. That's next. Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo. When asked about a potential contract extension for wide receiver DK Metcalf, Pete Carroll, I don't know if he was trying to do this or not. Here's what he said. I hope, you know, we, we intend for him to be with us. You know, we'd love to figure that out. So um, we're in a normal kind of mode this time of year. You know, we're not to that topic yet, uh, specifically because we've got so many other things going on, but we'd love to have him. There's, there's no way I could imagine playing without him. Do you know why I'm laughing at that? It's the exact same word he used about three days before they <laughs> traded Russell Wilson. I'm being dead serious. We intend for Russell Wilson to be our quarterback. It's the exact same word he used for DK Metcalf. Same sound by yeah, we, we intend for him to be with us. Yeah, we, we intend for him to be with us. Yeah, uh, Pete, and don't then, use then that afterwards, word, he's like, Wait, which guy were you asking about? <laughs> Anytime you ask about a player, we intend for him to be here. We like him. We in, just to say the same thing. And Pete afterwards, like, hey, which guy did they just ask me about? Oh, DK Metcalf. Oh, okay. You don't even know. I mean, it's the same thing all the time. Look, a lot of people think that DK Metcalf could be like the next to go despite Pete Carroll saying that they intend for him uh, to be there. And there's a lot of teams right now that, that, that you know, you just see the reports. Or the, the Jets could be after him. And uh, Kansas City, I think I said Kansas City, if losing Tyreek Hill, they yep. could be after him. And he's a guy that could get a pretty big contract, too. So do they unload him, or do they try to keep him going forward? He's still very, very young. He's only been here for a couple of years. Same draft as Andy Isabella. Um, but they... Uh, they they just don't have the the team that can win, so they try to trade him and get on draft day and get as much as they can for him. Yeah, it's it right now the sticker shock, and that's kind of the phrase that's being used right now. Uh, John Schneider is the general manager, and I don't have the soundbite, but he has even said, gone on record as saying, the top of the wide receiver market right now, there's a little bit of sticker shock. Quote: It is what it is now, right? This is the market, so we'll have to get to that when we get to it. But yeah, there is a bit of woe when you have to kind of look around, figure out, okay, where is the cap going? What's it going to look like? How do you build your team? And what he's talking about is, okay, do I have to pay, do I have to make DK Metcalf Tyree Kill money? Do I have to pay him Devontae Adams money? Do I have to pay no. him Mike Williams no, money? I mean, you shouldn't, but I don't know. But I would say no. He's yeah, not, because is he going to at that level? Is he going to ask for I mean, he's, he's, look, you're right. He's not at Tyree Kill level, and he's not at Devontae Adams level. I think he's close to Mike Williams' level, and Mike Williams got $20 million a year with the Chargers. Well, you know this. It's all about the timing. I mean, what's DK Metcalf? He's going into the final year of his rookie deal. Right. Free agent next year. You're going to lose him for nothing, or do you trade him and get something for him? If he's not going to sign there, he's in the final year of his rookie deal. Yep. So timing is everything in this stuff. You know, when when you become a free agent matters. And here's the other problem, too. Yeah. If the Seahawks extend Metcalf, let's say, to deal like Mike Williams, $20 million a year, they'd be paying two wide receivers big money to play. Yep. Lockett got that big money Mm -hmm. deal a year ago, two years ago. And think about it. Pete Carroll doesn't even want to throw the ball that much. 
Pete Carroll's more of a pound and ground, run game oriented kind of offense. Does Pete Carroll want an offense where you're paying two wide receivers twenty million dollars or more per year? Probably not. I don't think so. So no, I, every team runs into that thing where you can't you, you know you can't pay two guys at the same the, position. The Cardinals and Anquan Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald sure. all those years ago, right? Sure. And, and so if you're the Seahawks, you start looking at it and go, okay. We like DK Metcalf. We drafted him. We developed him. He turned into a star in this league. But is it really in our best interest? And if it's not, then you can see why the Jets are circling. Then you can see why the Chiefs are circling, sure. right? Because he's you got the rookie contract this year. You got him. But then in 2023, you could lose him for nothing. I mean, you could you could lose him for nothing. And so it's better to trade him now and get something for him if you're not going to pay him that big money than to hold on to him and lose him for nothing. So it's very likely that he gets traded. Not that it matters, but the Seattle Seahawks with no Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks with no Bobby Wagner, the Seattle Seahawks with no DK Wagner Metcalf. Wagner has not signed anywhere yet. No, in fact, I read a report today where Dallas, Stephen out, Jones, out. came out on record and said, we're out. No Bobby Wagner for us. Not going to happen here. Nope. In fact, there was, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. There was something in that story, and I wish I had fact-checked this, because it just doesn't sound like this can be right. Let me run this by you, and you tell me if this sounds like, if it's right to you or not. The Dallas Cowboys have not signed a big-name, big-money free agent from outside the team since signing corner Brandon Carr to a five-year, $50 million deal in 2012. Does that sound right to you? Like, no, like ten years. Yeah, that's like one of those. Okay, are you sure you got that right? You know, I'm not AP writer or beat writer who covers the team every day. I don't want to say that I know more about your team than you do. You cover the team every day, but that just doesn't seem right. Now, the, the exclusion of the caveat was they have not signed a big name, big money free agent from outside the team since signing Brandon Carr to a five year deal. Uh, they've re-signed their own guys, and they've spent a lot of money to re-sign their own guys. I get that. But they haven't signed a big-name guy from outside the organization in 10 car, years? I mean, that car signing was 10 years ago? Yeah. God, that seems like it was five years ago. I know. Well, that doesn't seem like it was 10 years ago. fast, man. We're getting old. No, I know. Jeez. <laughs> I couldn't remember Eric Swan's name in the last segment. You remember me. I'm like that defensive line with well, Sidney on Rice yeah, I mean, and Andre I, Wadsworth and that guy. That guy didn't go to college okay, and play. But, but I, remember I, that guy? That, that, I, that should be enough for me to remember that. When you said that guy who didn't go to college, that should have been, oh, that Eric Swan. Because he went to like a community college, right? Or something like that. Uh, he Juco went to like a. Like that. No, it was something. He went. Or he played in some like professional league or something. Or I don't know. He didn't go to college. That was the thing about Eric Swan. Give me a hint. Just give me a hint. Give me a hint where, where he played before. Uh, bu- 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 don't tell me, but give me a hint. Don't give you wait. So what do you want? I mean, I mean you? don't tell me it, but try to give me a hint so I can try to get it. What do you want? What do you want? Like make? Where, before he got drafted, where he where was he? Okay, it it was a semi professional. That's what it was. Team. A semi professional team. Yeah, Bay State Titans in uh. Lynn, Massachusetts. <laughs> according, according to the Wikipedia page for Eric Swan, he made five dollars an hour. He made $5 an hour with the Bay State Titans in Lynn, Massachusetts. According to his wiki page. That's what we pay Mitch. Oh, wow. I was going to make that joke. Come wow. on. <laughs> Mitch, you get five? You get five and a half. 
Uh-oh. See what we've done? Oh, uh, we should have never told. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, how much Mitch was making. Workers of the world unite. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, circling back to your Cowboys oh, point. Yes. I would say the key word or key takeaway more so is free agent, because I think the biggest move that they've done is Amari Cooper, but that was a trade with the Raiders. That was a trade. Yeah. And did they re-sign him after they, did they give him an extension after they traded for him? I think they did. I think so, yeah. I think, I think they extended the contract. But then technically, if he's on your team, he's not an outside he, he's free He's not agent. an outside free agent. Yeah, it's, it's, they've spent plenty of money, but doesn't that seem like the most anti-Jerry Jones thing ever? Like you just, I would just assume the Dallas Cowboys would be like, "Oh, let's go, go give that guy five years, forty million dollars." That's always my Jerry Jones on a last minute, you know, whim. But it seems like a very Dallas Cowboys thing to do. That little factoid about them shocked the heck out of me. Yeah, because Jerry Jones, like, he's always wanted to win. Yeah, he's old. He wants to win. He haven't won in a long time. You would, so you would figured he'd be spending money left and right to try and win. No, I didn't know that. I, I didn't think, think about that. I, 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 it surprised me very much. So we look at the win improvements of the Cardinals over the last three seasons, and we go, oh, they went from three to five to eight to 11, and they made the playoffs. And that's that's good. What the Phoenix Suns have done over the last three seasons is historic. It's almost never been done before. We'll tell you who else did it next on the Burns and Gambo Show.